it's me. Welcome to the Unbranded Podcast with Miss Dean Loves You. I'm your host, Susie Dean, and I have no idea where this is going to go or what we're going to talk about. So I figured we could play like a topic roulette of sorts. I'm going to spit out just like what's on my mind and whatever stick sticks, and that will be the name of this episode. But I'm literally just going to stream of consciousness talk here so you can see kind of like my creative process and I anticipate that what seems like a series of completely disjointed topics is going to make sense once you listen to this episode from beginning to end. Okay, one, why is it so hard for me to stop drinking? Well, it's not hard. (laughs) Let me just correct myself. It's not that hard. It just takes getting over a hump like most things. I always, always, always feel better when I don't drink. And every time I don't drink, I'm like, why don't I do this more often? I was just um, talking to my husband the other night on our walk about how easy it is to control the quality of your sleep. If I can not drink alcohol, drink at least 100 ounces of water, um, eat no later than 7 p.m., move my body at some point during the day, get off my phone for like an hour and a half before bed, and spend at least an hour and a half in low light, I am sleeping hard. And if I can do that at least three days in a row, I sleep even harder. And in my opinion, all it takes to not crave alcohol anymore is just like three days before you say to yourself, okay, Susie, the benefits far outweigh the habit of drinking alcohol. And that's what it is, right? It's a habit. I don't crave alcohol. And after nine months of not drinking while I was pregnant, I'm not even craving the buzz of drinking. After nine months of not experiencing it, it just feels so artificial, so it doesn't feel even worth it to me. So why does drinking feel like such a habit to me? Every night I go on a walk with my baby and for some reason, I just want a can of whatever in my hand while I walk. I love the feeling of having like a nice little drinky drink during sunset with the cool-ish weather we've been having while looking at pretty houses. But is it worth it? Just the habit of having something in my hand? Like, I could easily replace that with a liquid death, could I? I'm not really committed to being totally sober. I don't think that's necessary because Robbie and I just love going to breweries and wineries. But I do want to just be more intentional with my consumption of alcohol and following through on that intention. And I think that I should give myself a little bit more credit than I have been because the intention is there. I can acknowledge that I don't want or need alcohol and that I feel better without it, but it's the follow through. Even with that information that I feel so much better, I sleep so much harder, I will still pull a drink out of the fridge before that walk 50% of the time. Probably likely, if I'm being honest with myself, even more. It also doesn't help that my husband isn't going through this epiphany as well, and he has no problem buying more drinks. But isn't it crazy how much control we have over our daily experience? 
I mean, minus the things that are completely out of our control, obviously, like babies and children waking up, late or early meanings, um, general tasks that we have to do, poor sleeping environments. But drinking more water, cutting out junk foods, putting more produce on our plates, investing more in sleep, and then taking care of our mental health, like reading daily, writing in journals, being more mindful, spending time outside, all of those things make such a difference. And honestly, the heartbreaking part is you don't really realize how helpful those habits are until you stop doing them. It takes the suffering to realize the benefits. And I guess that concept can be applied to so many life situations. Like you don't realize what you have until you lose it. We all are familiar with that. We have all heard that. Okay, that could have gotten really deep. Let's go on to the next topic on my mind, which is um, popcorn. I'm really in the mood for popcorn and actually Chinese food too. Actually, I just really want to order something. I don't want to make my own food tonight. Isn't food just so much better when you order it to go, take out, delivery? Like when we were younger in in kindergarten or first grade, everyone else's snacks in their lunchbox when they offered it to you tasted so much better than your own. And let me just land on that for a second because I always felt so guilty because I never really had good snacks in my house. I felt like everyone else did. It's not because my parents were super health conscious or anything. They just didn't put much time into grocery shopping for a kid. And my mom doesn't really cook. My dad does, but all of his ingredients were like way too fancy for a lunchbox. I felt so guilty in pre-K, kindergarten, first grade, when people would share their snacks with me because I felt like I was eating too much. It's amazing how far back these thoughts about food and our bodies go. But anyway, I'm not even going to hit on that yet. Um, I'm going to talk about popcorn because it's much more lighthearted and that's what I'm ready for mentally right now. I went through a pretty significant popcorn phase during quarantine where I just ran through like three bags of popcorn a night on the couch with various seasonings to see which combination was the best. My top choice is olive oil and nutritional yeast. (laughs) My second choice is olive oil, garlic powder, and chili powder. So try it out and let me know. But gosh, initial quarantine was such a time, wasn't it? Thinking back to that initial quarantine, it's like smelling a perfume that you wore 10 years ago and then being instantly transported back to that time, those memories, those emotions. That's how I feel when some when I think of some of the things that I did during quarantine. And I think we all have those activities. Popcorn experimentation was one for me. Putting cinnamon in our homemade pasta sauce was another, which I actually recommend. And watching copious amounts of TV was yet another. And since then, and I stand by this, I think we can all agree, Netflix has never, ever, ever had as many bangers as there were during quarantine. I just, I wish I could watch The Queen's Gambit for the first time again, or The Circle, only the first season. I never got into Tiger King or even considered it, but my husband did. He actually watches a lot of TV. 
either on the physical TV or just when he's watching recorded podcasts on YouTube or watching Netflix on his computer. And for an only child, me, who had unrestricted TV time and a TV in my bedroom, I avoid the TV more than the average person. Watching too much makes me feel incredibly icky. When my parents lived with us, um, they lived with us for a while in our apartment while they were renovating their new place. So there was a little bit of overlap. That was quite the time. Um, My mom would watch movies and TV shows all day, all day on Saturdays and Sundays until she woke up, until she fell asleep on the couch. Not even until she intentionally got up from the couch and went to bed, until she fell asleep on the couch. And it's her happy place and her comfort. That's all she would do growing up. That's actually how she learned English. But it's so easy to get sucked in when she turns on the TV in the morning or would turn on the TV in the morning. And three hours later, I feel like I've absolutely wasted my day. And I feel like my brain is melting out of my ears and eyeballs, which is fortunate because I I do spend a lot of time doing things that nourish my mental health instead. But it's also sad because that's one of the activities that she likes to do to bond. And I don't like that. And that's the same situation with Robbie. One of our friends told us before we got pregnant to find as many couple hobbies as possible that don't involve drinking because we would have a hard time having dates during pregnancy um, if we only had hobbies together that involved drinking. And that was a real eye opener for us because our hobbies seem to be only two breweries and wineries in different cities and states, parts of the country, regions. But I guess now that I'm on the topic of TV, that's probably a hobby too. I don't watch much. Robbie watches a ton. So that's one of the ways I'll bond with him. I'll I'll watch a new movie or start a new TV show with him to watch before bed. And that's pretty much the only time I get sucked into new TV shows or watch TV in general. We actually recently just moved Hawthorne into his own room, which is where Robbie also has his office set up. So now, since we've moved Hawthorne in here, Robbie can't watch his shows in there anymore at night because the baby's in here at like 7.30, which means he's been encroaching on my space and my evening routines, which has really actually bothered me. After my evening walks, which I found to be essential for my mental health and my overall joy and sleep, I'll often find myself doing another activity that relaxes me. And that typically ends up being folding laundry and generally tidying up. And since I'm not teaching anymore and I have the energy and since reorganizing our routine around the baby, I've found myself falling into this habit and maybe having low lighting, listening to a podcast, maybe having the diffuser going. But then the other night, I hear this all-encompassing bass coming from the living room during what I can only imagine is like a huge war scene in some random movie or TV show while I'm trying to have my calming and relaxing evening routine. And it completely threw off my night. I'm not being dramatic. When I say that it ruined the vibe, I got really frustrated and resentful. And and maybe we can talk about spousal resentment in 
parenting another time once I've worked through that a little bit more. But if I'm being honest, it's really not that big of a deal at all. So why was I so triggered by the volume of the TV in the living room while I was in the bedroom folding laundry? One of the podcasts that I love listening to, highly recommend, is We Can Do Hard Things with Glennon Doyle and Abby Wambach and her sister, Amanda Doyle. And Glennon Doyle always says, I think something like, we are like teacups. When a teacup is nudged a little bit, everything that's inside spills out. But it's not like the anger and resentment itself were caused by the TV. The anger and resentment were already in there. The TV was just the catalyst to it falling out. So the other night when this happened, or maybe the next day, I pondered this. I don't have any answers, but I thought about it a little bit more than I usually would. Why was that anger and resentment in there in the first place? Because I now know objectively that it wasn't the TV that was the problem. It was what was already inside of me that was the problem. And actually, again, I don't have an answer to that. I'm really, I guess, hoping that I'll flesh that out here. I guess this will be the topic that we land on. I guess as an only child, I wasn't used to a lot of noise in the house. And also as an only child with limited rules, but trust me, there were rules. There were TVs in every room. So it's interesting that I ended up choosing and aligning with peace and quiet and reading books instead of sitting on the couch watching TV all day, which in all honesty, I did end up doing for a lot of my childhood. Don't get me wrong. I was never taught how to have routines that were nourishing for my mental health or gave me a mental break, but I did live in a high anxiety household and I did get diagnosed with anxiety in middle school and I have been pretty medicated for my anxiety for a few years. So the easy answer is to say that developing these routines and habits and hobbies organically was a way for me to quiet my mind of all of those anxious thoughts and spirals. And I didn't really until my junior and senior years of college, which you've heard me talk about before if you've been listening to this podcast. And that was likely because I only had one roommate who was a delight. And that made it a lot easier to have control over my space, what it looked like, smelled like, felt like, and sounded like. That's probably when I experienced the smallest amount of stress in my life. High school at home was very stressful. And then my anxiety began to ramp up again with teaching. But when I first began living with my husband, he was still watching a majority of his TV in his office in another room. So I haven't really been faced with the noise disturbance until this specific event that I'm talking about, until Hawthorne was moved to his own room. And I guess that in and of itself makes sense why my reaction was so big. It was the first time I was facing it, but it doesn't really explain why I felt like it was such a personal attack on my space. Maybe because I already have so little time for myself and to take care of myself that I need those quiet moments in the evening to be perfect or maybe here's something I haven't really explored. 
Maybe I feel like when people in general, but Robbie just in this case as an example, disrupt my space like that, it makes me feel like they don't value my time, my alone time, because they don't value all the work that I'm doing during the day. Like, if you valued what I did so much in school, as a mom, around the house, for the community, whatever your situation is, you would think that the other person or people would respect or give you the space that you need and want for your own alone time to recharge. And this, of course, is absolutely not a representation of Robbie. He does so much and he never, ever complains. And he's always said that he was raised to be a husband and a father. And that is absolutely true. And he is one of the reasons why I've had such an enjoyable time as a new mom. So clearly this is only representative of me and how I view the world and the unfair way that I am placing expectations on others. So that's just me. How are those people around us supposed to know that we have that expectation of them if we don't communicate it? And goodness, that is why communication, authentic, open, vulnerable, Radical communication is so important in not just marriage, but in all kinds of relationships. Learning how to communicate in marriage really opened up my eyes and taught me how to communicate better in all areas of my life because what I think a lot of people don't realize until marriage is that in every relationship that you have, mostly, there are two or multiple people who are coming together from completely different backgrounds, upbringings, traditions, values, expectations, ways that they've been taught to view the world, to treat others, to view themselves. And when we don't take the time to clearly communicate all of those differences, we end up placing our expectations on others they place their expectations on us and sometimes it's okay but in my opinion most of the time we just completely miss each other and walk all over each other and slowly hack away at our relationship because we're not adhering to working with or considering or respecting how different the other person is so i guess i should probably (laughs) just tell Robbie that I need him to turn down the TV more often. I I actually, I, I already do that. And he does turn it down every time, but not every other time until I ask him. So maybe this is my nudge to me that I need to go deeper. Maybe I need to be clear about why my space needs to be perfect and the vibes need to be right and why I feel attacked when that space is interrupted and how the way that I was raised impacts why I feel safe in that element so that he understands why I need the TV off. And therefore, if he understands the reasons behind it, he'll be more considerate as a habit, not just of the TV, but with everything else that might slightly influence my space. 
and maybe I can expand that further and see that this is not just a call to be more detailed and honest with Robbie in that regard with the freaking TV, but to go in deeper with my communication and other relationships complete transparency, sharing the details with people that we don't even think matter, but we later realize actually do matter a lot. Well, that's my story on how the TV pisses me off and ruins my laundry time. (laughs) Maybe that'll be the name of the episode. That was actually very therapeutic for me, so thank you for listening and being my sounding board, as you always are, and hopefully it'll benefit my relationship as well. I'll talk to you next time and hopefully have another epiphany alongside of you, or maybe another guest, because Maria last week was dope and that was so much fun, or maybe next week we'll have another guest and another epiphany and you can be there with me for it all okay same time next week mistine loves you bye bitch